Thanks for tuning in today. It's Kevin from Bison Moon Group, Reach the Moon Podcast. I'm here with Brad, Ice Castle Photography. He takes pictures of way more than just ice castles or snowflakes. Um, Brad, how long have you been in business? Uh, well, I've been doing photography on a, on a quasi-professional level. I started almost 20 years ago was when I sold my first print and uh, finally actually went into business. I started doing, uh, doing weddings, which is a very common and popular way to jump into photography professionally. Uh, 2006, so I guess 13 years now, I've, uh, I've been making a go of it. Very good. I uh, just quit my day job like two weeks ago. Oh, wow. Uh, that was a weird horn to be in the background. Where are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure exactly what that noise is. I'm in uh, Edmonton City Centre Mall here right now. We've actually been walking a little bit, trying to find a really quiet spot and uh, <laughs> not finding a ton of silence and solitude yet. What's your company name? That uh, How did you come up with it? Yeah, that's a funny story, actually. Ice Castles uh, started just with the domain name. I bought icecastles.com. Uh, back in the late 90s. I'm from the Northwest Territories originally. And the name Ice Castles just kind of seemed evocative and to, to speak to me at the time and my, my passions for architecture, which is what my, uh, my original training and university background is in, and to, uh, to where I grew up. But uh, of course, at the time, this was long before the, uh, the famous Ice Castle that now comes up in Horlack Park every year. And uh, now I, uh, every, every February and March, I get to spend an hour or so a day untagging myself on Instagram from pictures of the ice castle. And <laughs> we do seem to get a little bit of confusion between the two of us. But the, uh, the cross-marketing probably isn't entirely bad because they're a little bit more famous than I am. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad uh, you brought that up because I did wanted to ask you about that mm -hmm. uh, to see how you, you two were in... Uh, if you're any collation or if you're separate, how many years before the, the ice castle showed up in Edmonton, did you have the name? Um, I've had the name. I think I originally bought it in 1998. So I've got ooh, at least 15 years on them. I think that's cool. Yeah. My company being bison moon group, I'm running into a lot of people that don't know how to spell bison. Something I didn't expect. You're kidding. Oh my goodness. So what's something that you've taken away from photography um, that you would have ran into growing up in the Northwest Territories? Well, that's a really interesting question. Um, I think one of the, uh, one of the challenges of, of making your mark as a photographer is simply finding a, uh, a vision and approach that maybe not everybody shares. And that can come from just about any different perspective. I, uh, I remember I was in reading an interview with uh, photographer Anton Corbin, who I, I admire greatly some years ago. And some of his clients were saying that uh, they think a lot of the uniqueness of his vision comes from the simple fact that he's six foot seven. So he can't help but see the world a little bit differently. And <laughs> I think there's probably some overlap with that, with coming from the territories. Um, it's uh, needless to say, visually speaking, it's kind of a different world. We almost exist in a different color palette. You know, everything is, is pale blues and, and very cold colors. But uh, 
I think a lot of the things that folks see down here that it's very easy to take for granted when you grow up around them, uh, even after living down south for a number of years, it's still a little bit easier maybe to uh, to see them from a fresh perspective and uh, and have possibly a kind of a unique view of them. That's cool. I like photography. Um, once I found out that you don't take a picture of a car standing up, but most car commercials are all fo filmed or for photoed down at that three foot mark. That's right. Um, yeah. Really makes you st start thinking about advertising and how not tricks are played on us, but angles are played. Oh, it's it's so true. And there are so many funny little subtleties like this. In, uh, I suppose in any form of visual communication, but photography most notably, where uh, there's, there's kind of a fine line between representing something in the most effective and, and beautiful way possible, where you can really showcase the, uh, the elements that you want to highlight, and doing that without creating something of a fiction around what you're photographing. And there's certainly been a lot of discussion in media in, in recent years about the role of airbrushing and photoshopping, say, in, in fashion and beauty photography, and how that can uh, maybe reinforce an, an artificial construct or an artificial understanding of what beauty can and should be. And I'm sorry, I, I recognize you've probably got a ton of noise in the background here right now. I'm trying to get away from it. That's okay. It sounds like a race car track in the background. Being somebody that's a photographer and mobile, what's a cost that people don't expect? Or when they say, hey, why are you so expensive? Or why do you set that price? What is what is the actual like word cost that really sucks up a lot of the money? Oh, that's that's a really good question. Because the whole issue of pricing is probably one of the toughest things when you go into business in general, and I'm sure it's something a lot of other entrepreneurs have, have struggled with as well, but uh, pricing in photography is, is particularly tricky for a number of reasons. Um, and when I started out, you know, that might have been one of the biggest things I struggled with is not only finding a comfortable pricing point, but uh, being comfortable presenting that price point to clients as well. I bill at a relatively high rate and I had a tough time getting comfortable with the notion that people were maybe going to pay me what, uh, what I was demanding, even though when I did my basic cost analysis and breakdown, I knew this is the rate I had to bill. Uh, it's, it's easy to get stuck within our own perspective of thinking, well, this is what I personally can afford. It's not necessarily the same framework that, uh, that a client's going to be working in. But one of the challenges with photography is that the behind-the-scenes time is enormous. And for every hour one spends shooting, depending on the type and the nature of the shoot and the complexity of the job, uh, the editing time can be anywhere from two to five hours in editing for every hour you spend shooting. And so when you, when you build in an hourly rate for a project, you really have to factor in, okay, this is how many hours the client is seeing, but this is the number of hours I'm spending. And so if I were to extrapolate that and say, okay, I'm going to spend 
40 hours a week or 60 hours a week or 80 hours a week, whatever that happens to be, what do I need to actually, you know, build to, to make that work and actually have a, a living cost? You've got to be able to factor those, uh, those extra times in. And then, of course, on top of that, one of the reasons that a professional photographer is going to capture images that uh, maybe a, a casual shooter on a, on a cell phone camera or a cheaper SLR might not be able to is that you're shooting on $10,000, $15,000 cameras. And that stuff doesn't come cheap. And it, uh, it also has a limited shelf life. So just the maintenance and upkeep on equipment can be quite expensive as well. And that's something that has to be factored in. How comfortable have you become talking about um, things with people, like not just customers, um, but also people in the industry? Well, talking to people in the industry is interesting because there are so many different tiers at which uh, professionals or, or, or claimed professionals operate. And it is an industry which has gotten a lot more clouded and muddied in uh i suppose the last 10 or 15 years much like happened with uh with desktop publishing with the advent of of things like photoshop and page maker 20 years ago has happened with uh with photography now and uh there are a lot of folks who will claim to be a professional photographer and really it's something more of a hobby the the level of training and experience the equipment with which they're working what they're going after is is remarkably different so the conversations within industry are always really interesting because people are coming from it from so many different uh angles and perspectives and 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 levels of experience and levels of commitment uh speaking with clients that's always a learning curve and uh it's it's one of the aspects that when you go into business for yourself are probably a little bit, uh, a little bit tougher to learn. Uh, I think a lot of us as entrepreneurs are passionate about what it is we actually do, be it photography or anything from, from practicing medicine to, to manufacturing a project to providing a service. But of course, as an entrepreneur, you wear so many hats, and one of them is as a salesman. And that, uh, that sales hat is uh, it's a totally different skill set that maybe a lot of us don't really enter the field with. And of course, there's, there's always that fear, uh, at least for myself, that, that ingrained nervousness when you go into a conversation with a potential client for the first time of knowing that if I don't make a compelling pitch, or if maybe I make too soft of a sell or too hard of a sell, if I come in too high, I'm going to lose this opportunity entirely and then that ship has sailed. Or I might uh, undersell myself, uh, be a little bit too hungry to, to try to take on a job at, uh, at a loss or at a low rate. And you get the work, but it's hard to actually make money off of it. So it's it's, it's a constant struggle finding that line that uh, I think over the years, it always gets easier. And uh, for some folks, I guess it's a little bit more, it comes a little bit more naturally than for others. For myself, it's always something I found a little bit tricky. Wow, that was a good explanation of it. I appreciate it. 
It did sound weird there. It sounded like you're walking around, got on maybe underneath a, a parkade or some of that, but I think I'm going to leave that distortion in there. Okay. So when you first started your business, was it a slow um, increase in the, the amount of work you got and was it a slow grow? And kind of expanding into that, how much money did you really spend at the beginning to how much you wish you could spend in the beginning that you might spend now? Let's see, I'll answer the growth question first. Uh, as to, to the, the pace of growth, very, very slow. Uh, there were a number of years of shooting where I'm, I'm very grateful I didn't have to rely on it as a sole source of income uh, or even as a primary source of income. Building that reputation, building that portfolio, and building the confidence level takes a long time. But beyond that, and, and this is something my wife and I discuss frequently, is there's, in, in business, there's a wonderful confluence of, of luck and hard work. And there's, there's the old adage in sports, you have to be good to be lucky and you have to be lucky to be good. And I was, I was lucky enough after I'd been shooting for a while to get a couple of breaks in that the right people noticed my work and I was able to start building partnerships with uh, with other industry people in in related industries that could start to feed me a lot of work and at the same time uh, where I say you know it's it's a confluence of, of luck and hard work it's also always a question of seeing those moments of serendipity seeing those doors open and being able to uh, to push through and really uh, find out how to turn this this potential into an actual job into a business relationship and into something that uh, that can grow so it's taken a long time and it's really only I suppose in the last year and a half that things have started to grow exponentially for me and I've I've started to get more and more interesting work for bigger and bigger clients and more and more interesting shoots so sorry to jump in here but you said a year and a half. So how many years have you been plugging away on the side, professionally taking photos? Uh, it's a little over a decade now. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so it's, it's a long time. It's something I love about business. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's uh it's not something to get into if you don't have patience, any entrepreneurial venture, it's always going to be fraught with risk. I think it's so important to, really know where on that scale of of risk versus reward that you're comfortable with and how much you're willing to uh to to jump in and fully commit to what it is that you're doing uh now you asked a second question as well which is uh financial investment and certainly when i started out for for a long time that was a really big restriction uh not really having the budget to be able to market myself uh, the way I'd have liked and also to be able to, uh, to purchase some of the equipment that I would really need to go after, uh, to go after some work. And uh, there are certain aspects of photography, weddings, for example, where, you know, a decent camera body, a couple of lenses, you can start to make something of a go of it. 
And then there are some others that are very, very technically oriented and require quite a bit of equipment investment. But, you know, even now, uh, I look at certain magazines that I'd love to advertise in, certain events I'd love to take sponsorship in, things like that. And uh, I suppose that's, that's going to be the curse in business uh, as long as you're hungry that there's always investment you're going to want to make and not quite be able to. But that's also what pushes us to, uh, to take on that many more jobs, to work slightly longer hours and to, uh, to go a little bit hungrier knowing that there's always that, that next level, that next tier that you can take the business to once, uh, you know, once you've got the means to do so. And advertising is, uh, is probably easier than it once was with the advent of social media. But uh, there's also so much noise to cut through now. That's funny you say noise as it like a helicopter flies in the background. <laughs> <laughs> or airplane. Um, oh, geez. A question I always ask, how can I help you reach the moon? Right. Well, probably probably the two uh the two challenges that uh that I often face that are maybe somewhat unique and and kind of fun. One is always finding locations particularly for portraiture and fashion shoots and things like that. There, you know, there are photography studios that are uh that are dressed as we call them within the city. But in a place like Edmonton, uh, the venues for doing really interesting shooting, there are so many beautiful, beautiful places in Edmonton, but we're kind of a secret city in a way. Uh, all, the, uh, all the beautiful spots aren't, aren't necessarily super obvious to everybody, and that's perhaps one of the things that makes them beautiful. But finding those locations, getting access to those locations, is, uh, is something that really ultimately only comes from, you know, having having connections out in the community and, and knowing people who either have access to a venue or at least know of a venue where, uh, where interesting shooting opportunities can arise. So, you know, I, I'd say if people know of places like that or have access to places like that, it's always fantastic to be able to shoot somewhere that uh, maybe not everybody already does. That's true. When you watch Instagram, only because you brought up Instagram, you see every person with their iPhone take the picture from the same bridge on the same angle of, you know what I mean, the high-level bridge. Oh, yeah. Um, That's right. Now, I know you travel a little bit. How far out do you go, or what's your work week like traveling? Well, the traveling is, uh, is of course, a little bit intermittent. When I was shooting more weddings, uh, I did a degree of destination photography, um, or excuse me, destination weddings, uh, shooting in British Columbia, New Brunswick. Uh, I was lucky enough to be brought out to Cuba to photograph a wedding a few years ago. But uh, probably one of the uh, one of the biggest places where the travel comes from now is uh, the Kiev Post is one of the preeminent English language newspapers in Eastern Europe. And I'm fortunate enough to be their Canadian bureau photographer. So when we have uh, events or uh, things we need to document across Canada, I get a great chance to travel and shoot for them. I was on the West Coast just a few weeks ago. And in 
oh gosh, it's less than a week. I've got to get organized <laughs> in just a few days heading off to Toronto to document and photograph a uh, conference and then over to Montreal actually to meet with one of the acrobats of Cirque du Soleil and do some behind the scenes photography for the Cirque and hopefully at one of their live performances as well. So what would you say as a photographer for somebody up and coming photographer or as somebody in business is a little golden nugget that you use every day that you really benefit from? Uh, hands down, the biggest is to find a mentor. Um, the business end of photography is very challenging. Uh, marketing, billing, timeline management, client management, all those kind of things. And photography is not so different from running any other business that, you know, you and I spoke briefly before the interview of uh, another guest you had who had worked with a mentor well outside of their industry. And uh, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a mentor who's somewhat related to my industry, who's in event management. And uh, she has helped me probably more than almost any other, uh, any other source or individual I could think of, of just really getting a beat on how to market myself, how to price my work, and uh, how to structure some of my contracts and things like this. Having a mentor is absolutely enormous. Of somebody who's been in business for a while, knows some of those hurdles that can come up and can help you not just deal with them once they occur, but be ahead of, uh, ahead of the curve enough that uh, you, can, you can kind of predict and be ready for them so you're hitting the ground running, so to speak. Do you think the your mentor has taken anything from you? Um, well, I can't find one of my lens caps. <laughs> ah, well played, well played. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, yeah, certainly, and actually that's something we talked about together not terribly long ago. Um, given that we're in, uh, in somewhat related industries, uh, she's, she's now got access to, uh, to a photographer who... Uh, you know, has, has, I guess, been able to, to help flesh out her business and her offerings as well. So there's a real reciprocal relationship there. But uh, I, think, I think even just in terms of, uh, of the inspiration, I think sometimes mentors really love working with somebody who's maybe at the point in business where they were a few years prior. And, uh, you know, going through the same struggles. And, and she mentioned to me recently that it's kind of fun seeing somebody going over those same hurdles that uh, she herself went over and, and getting reminded of, of the length and the difficulty of the path as a small business owner, of all the, all the struggles and all the self-doubt that, uh, that you can experience when you're, when you're building your business. Well, we're almost done here. Kind of one last question because the world is changing. What's your thoughts on the up-and-coming batch work that people do or the subcontract, just onesie, twosies, not professional stuff? <laughs> uh, it, it makes the pitch a lot more difficult when, uh, when you're explaining your pricing, that's for sure. Um, that said... I think any sort of competition is healthy and uh, and I think we all have things we can we can learn from one another um, 
maybe 20, 25 years ago, a wedding photographer would charge on average $10,000 to, uh, to shoot a wedding. And there are maybe a handful of photographers in Western Canada who could even think of charging that kind of a rate now. And on one hand, it does mean it's a little bit harder to make a living. But on the other hand, it means that all of us who really do take it seriously as a profession, we can never sit on our laurels. Uh, we can never really sit back and take it easy or take the work for granted. There's always this, this latent doubt in the back of every photographer's mind and this worry that with every generation of cell phone cameras getting better and DSLRs getting cheaper, that uh, it's, it's a little bit harder to, uh, to sell our craft. And if we're not really pushing, uh, it's, it's a little bit harder to, uh, to, to stand out and to create something that you can confidently say nobody else or at least very few other people can create. And being pushed like that is fantastic. Uh, it, it, it keeps you going forward. It keeps you struggling and, uh, it keeps you hungry. I love your portfolio because you take pictures of absolutely everything that's out there. <laughs> oh, thank you. What's that like an industry secret or something that makes you laugh inside when you're at a photo shoot? You're like, I can't believe he or she is doing this and is expecting me to take a picture upside down. And then it works or something in the industry that just makes you laugh when somebody says it. For example, like I do the tree service uh, stump removal. Mm -hmm. Every person right. I talk to always says the diameter of the stump is 12 inches across. Nope, that's the radius. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. Um, oh, there's, there's, there's a couple ways I can go with that answer. Uh, in terms of, of those conversations and the things that, that kind of make me laugh, probably I can, I can pull up examples both from, from today and yesterday here. I was uh, showing some pictures just to a friend of mine. I was sitting in a cafe working, and uh, he, was, he was admiring some of the photographs. He said, yeah, but those are edited, right? And it, it sort of takes you aback because there's often a perception that, well, if an image has been edited or photoshopped or whatever it happens to be perhaps there's less value in it or there's less reality in it or whatever and of course the truth of that is that every single photograph ever taken has undergone some sort of manipulation and we look at some of the great film photographers from history even like Ansel Adams uh their genius was often not so much just what they were doing in camera but what they could create in the darkroom from those negatives afterwards. So the, uh, the process of editing, as much as I absolutely cringe and flail when, uh, when I see the proverbial Instagram filters being applied to photos or somebody being inordinately proud of their, their beautiful sunset where, you know, maybe there's a, a fairly pedestrian photo where they got the inspiration to uh, to slide that color saturation dial up to 11. Uh, you think, you know, editing is 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 such a, a, a fine and a subtle and important craft that takes a long time to learn. And I don't think the uh, the the nuances of that are always necessarily understood. Um, now, to the other part of your question, as far as times I've 
sat back and gone, wow, I can't believe I'm, I'm being paid to shoot this or I can't believe what I'm doing. Uh, just two days ago, I, uh, I did what honestly might be one of the most fun and interesting shoots I've ever done, which was photographing water bomber training out on Gull Lake. And uh, I had done some, uh, some shoots of water bombers in action up in the Northwest Territories fighting a forest fire a few years ago. And uh, one of the instructors was going to be down in Alberta on his way to the Oshkosh Air Show in the United States and training some water bottomer pilots. So got in touch with me and said, hey, why don't you come out to Gull Lake? Uh, we'll, we'll cover your expenses. We'll, we'll pay you your rate and we can get some shots of the bombers. And of course, the joy of going to a location that's been scouted by a pilot is that getting to locations when you're on the ground isn't quite the same as how they look from hundreds of meters off the ground when you're whizzing by them at 200 kilometers an hour. And so I was shooting on this, uh, on this peninsula out on the, the northern portion of Gull Lake. And what they hadn't recognized was that to get to the peninsula, I'd be slogging for about an hour through chest deep marshland with all my gear up on my shoulders and over my head to, uh, to keep it dry by the time I got out. But then here I am a couple days ago for, for several hours out on this peninsula all by myself with these massive, beautiful water bombers swooping in just meters over my head, dropping, uh, dropping their tanker loads right out into the water before me. And it was, it was so interesting and so powerful just being up close to something that most of us will maybe see on television, will certainly never see from nearly that close. And uh, it was really a reminder that, wow, you get to go places and see things that normally you would just, you would never experience with that degree of intimacy. And I think in a week, uh, being backstage with Cirque du Soleil and, and, and shooting their practices is going to be another moment much like that. That's very cool. And I hear the passion and the enjoyment in your voice. It's, uh, it's, it's an old cliche that if you find something that you love, you'll never work a day in your life. But in all honesty, man, every single day I'm shooting and most of the days when I'm editing, that, that thought comes into my mind and I have to pinch myself going, wow, what a fun job I have. I never dread having to go to work. Well, I got to end on that note. Um, Thanks so much for sitting down with me. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, Brad, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Uh, the best way to get a hold of me is probably through my website. It's www.icecastles.net. And uh, my email address is just photo at icecastles.net. And, of course, people can track me down on Instagram. Uh, as you've noticed, I, I post pretty frequently to Instagram and, uh, I'm easily reached through there as well at Ice Castle's photo. Thanks for tuning in today. It's Kevin with Bison Moon Group, Reach the Moon Podcast. Please leave a comment on iTunes and give us a five-star rating if you can.